This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Alex and James, along with Adam from Cincinnati Toffees. Adam, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing really well. Had a great Memorial Day weekend. Um, spent some time at my lake house, getting everything kind of ready. Almost like the, uh, the, I guess it's the unofficial start of summer, but finally got some nice weather. It's been really cold and rainy up here in Maine, so it's nice to finally have some sun. It was like almost 80 degrees today, so... I'll take it. Oh, wow. That's nice. Yeah, about the same here. It's super, super hot. Cops are every mile leading to the beach, as always. <laughs> so I got to figure out how to maximize the rest of the weekend right after this. Yeah. Yeah, It's a, it's been a really nice day. And, and we're finally able to have Adam on. This is like behind the scenes, so no one would really know. But this is like the, I think the fourth time, Adam, that we've tried to have you on. And we've had technical difficulties every time. So Knock on wood, this this time will go really smoothly, but we're really glad oh, to finally have great you Great to be here. And on the agenda today, we have some uh, transfer rumors. The rumors are already flying. It's not even June yet, and we've got rumors galore. We had to kind of parse out specific ones that we wanted to discuss, but um, some big names, some incoming and outgoings to discuss today. And I think we're going to lead things off with the first official signing of Marcel Brands' second, or I guess, yeah, second summer at the helm. And that is Jonas Lussel, who I believe last episode I called Jan Lussel, which is not his actual name. (laughs) (laughs) Jonas Lussel, who joins us from Huddersfield, recently relegated. Um, And all in all, seems like a a pretty solid signing. We touched on it a little bit last time, but a little background on him. He was uh, brought into Mans in Germany uh, three years ago, two years ago. To replace, actually replace Loris Karius, who had just departed to uh, join Liverpool at the time. And then after a year with them, he was loaned to Huddersfield. And then after a year on loan, was signed on a permanent basis. Was their starting keeper for most of last season. Um, did a really nice job for them, obviously. And now the uh, the rumors are that it's a three-year deal. Or I guess that's that's official. But then rumored around $10 million in wages over the, those three years. So... We'll throw it to Adam first. What are your thoughts on on the Lussel signing? I think it's good. Uh, I there's just not enough pressure on Pickford. You know, there's really no no competition right now, and so I think it's good to have somebody there who will kind of put some of that pressure on him. I just, I, you know, I never was that impressed with Stecklenburg. I know he was, I guess, a cup keeper, if you will. Um, but I think it'll be good to get somebody in there to really push Pickford. Uh, because there's some moments there during this year where, you know, Pickford made some really boneheaded plays, but there's no, you know, pulling him for a game or giving him a rest because it, the steep drop down from him to Stecklenburg. So uh, I think it would be an overall positive for, for everybody involved. I'd have to agree with you, Adam, right? Like it's, it's all about the depth in the squad. That's what everyone's saying. Now we have a, we have a pretty solid starting lineup. It can be, it can be, improved in a couple of places realistically and now it's about getting rid of all that dead wood and having solid squad players kind of brought in or developed and goalkeeper is definitely you know a place in which we needed to address the depth and I think that Lossel being 30 years old which might I add 
is pretty pretty good age for a keeper, right? They can play into their mid to upper 30s, usually do. And furthermore, I mean, he's I think he's going to be a whole lot more competition than, than Stecklenburg was, and furthermore, more than uh, Jow Virginia would be. Yeah, I echo both of what you've said. Both of what both of you have said so far, perfect age at 30 to come in and be a cup keeper. Although you question whether that's really on a three year deal, whether he genuinely believes that he's going to be able to to break through and actually get first team uh, minutes. But but that that has to be the end goal. A perfect age coming from a relegated side, similar to when we picked up Pickford, um, actually interesting, similar circumstances. And yeah, just a massive upgrade over Stecklenburg, who I believe looking back, I was looking through like kind of an overview and he made less than 20 total appearances for the club that uh, just to get someone with that's a pr- proven Premier League player who um, can pressure Pickford and and yeah, keep that, get that squad depth going because keeper was, you know, Jow Virginia is certainly not ready to, to be getting Premier League reps. Although I do think looking to loan him out perhaps to a championship or league one side would be probably the best move for all parties at, at this point in time. But yeah, Alex, like you said, squad depth, can't complain you do it's it's all well and good to make those those blockbuster signings that you plan on Im- immediately inserting into your first team but the squad depth's just as important you look at this the like Manchester City just unbelievable depth all around like they their second team is not quite as good but almost as good as their first team and that's sort of that's sort of what we have to aspire to if you ask me it is it's all about getting time in for other players but also having players that you know, some people just think it's very defined. You have your your depth players and you have your first your first eleven, but it's not, and it shouldn't be that way. If if you build your squad the correct way, then your depth players will always have a chance or a shot at being able to break into that first eleven and solidify a spot there. That's what you really want, and that's what we're aiming. Yeah, and I think it's also kind of a, a wild card too, because I mean, Huddersfield only won three matches all year. Um, and so, I mean, I guess that would give brands a lot of time to look with as busy as he was, uh, I think they had like a negative 54 goal differential, but, uh, I mean, I guess I've seen what brands has done in his first, you know, his first summer window. So I'll, I'll have some faith in him. Yeah. I think we all do at this point. I think, I think Mark Sell brands has a, has a clean slate where he can do whatever he wants. And I don't think anyone's going to question him because he's really yet to put a foot wrong. And so, yeah, just Good depth. It's a good first signing. Not going to really make anyone too, too excited, but it's necessary and it's it's a very pragmatic uh, decision. And on a free transfer too, I think that kind of has, we haven't really talked about that, but just the fact that we're not paying a transfer fee for him. And so we can, for $10 million over three years, That's that's got to be considered good business all around. So next up, the Andre Gomez saga continues. Spurs have been heavily linked with him. West Ham were linked, and I think as of today, officially, West Ham got a bid rejected for about 18 million pounds. Yeah, so that's the rumors that West Ham are now in. 18 million is frankly insulting in a lot of ways if you're Barcelona. It's laughable. Um, It makes me question the authenticity of the rumor itself, whether they're actually in. And that's the hard thing is like, you know, we don't have any real connections. We're not ITKs, but we're just relying on all these these speculation and a lot of it is probably just, you know, planted by agents and we'll get on to some more, probably like the Anya Kuru stuff that we're going to touch on in a little bit, maybe even more so uh, originating from, from like agent type stuff. But 
he's a hot commodity. And after his performances for us, although they were kind of sporadic throughout the course of the year, there's a, he absolutely should be in. But for me, like the Spurs rumors hold a lot more weight than the West Ham rumors. Like if he's going to, he's not going to go to West Ham over us. I, I can't, I just can't imagine that. Yeah, there's, there's no way. Uh, I can see Spurs just because they can offer him Champions League football. Uh, so that I get. Um, but kind of going back with that Le- West Ham link and how the agents are able to kind of just put out straight out lies, I guess, um, for lack of a better word, to try and influence the transfer market. Uh, I mean, I think you saw that happen with Salah. Uh, may he rest in peace. You know, he was linked with all of these English clubs that had never heard of him. And it was his agent who was kind of planting all these rumors. So then he gets signed by Cardiff. Um, and I mean, yeah, it's tragic that that the uh, that his plane went down. But you just wonder, like, would that have happened if his agent hadn't been lying about all these other clubs who were who he said was interested in him, but really had no idea who this guy was. Right. And you have to think. That happens all the time, which is crazy. But at the end of the day, I mean, can we all agree that Andre Gomez would be a fantastic signing for Everton, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously. <laughs> Glad we're on the same page. You know, <laughs> sometimes I saw one guy on on the Everton subreddit say ten million pounds at most, or else. And I think this is the same person that said we should sign Aryan Robin the other day. So, <laughs> oh no. But nonetheless, right, I think I think Everton fans all around are getting a little bit nervy about the situation, and rightfully so, because you're not talking about kind of a a player that's that's been on the fringe or this, that, and the other. He was in on the fringe in Barcelona, but up until that point, he was a fantastic player. He's been a fantastic player at Everton, and he showcased it on one of the biggest stages in the world, being the Premier League <clears throat> broadcasting rights. Uh, not the Champions League, unfortunately. Maybe next year, boys. Or, well, sorry, two years from now. <laughs> but it's hopefully all we can do is kind of sit here and hope for the best. Yeah, and I think there was a lot. I, in my opinion, I was expecting or hoping that this would be wrapped up relatively early. And it's still very early in the transfer window, and we could have it wrapped up pretty soon. But all indications throughout the entire season were that he loved being at Everton. The fans loved him. He was very receptive. He was involved in Everton in the community, doing all these wonderful things. And I think everyone just kind of thought that it'd be a, a foregone conclusion that he would sign for us and we'd just be have kind of just snuck him out from under everyone else's noses. But that's turning out not to be the case and that there's a lot of people who recognize the type of talent that he is. And it's not going to be quite so straightforward as to just kind of sign him up. And the longer that this goes on, the more nervous I think as a fan base we become because just every day that passes that he's not a player, I think honestly the longer it goes on, the more likely he is to go elsewhere. And I think um, it's it's kind of concerning because he really fits exactly the type of player that we're looking for on a permanent basis, that creative type of midfielder. He'd be huge. And then if we don't get him, you think, well, we're going to have to sign you know, there's more, there's a lot of depth that's needed in our midfield at the moment. And so he would be a good start, but, and then if he's gone, you lose his presence from this season, this prior season. And then going forward, you know, who do you, how do you replace him? You have to, there's a lot more work to do. So 
yeah, it's just it's just kind of nerve wracking, and I hope that we can get the the deal done very soon. Well, and you you have to wonder too if it's not just Barcelona dragging their feet trying to see if you know any other latecomers will come and throw obscene amounts of money um, at them for his services as well. Yeah, you can't underestimate it. Barcelona are known for being good businessmen. Yeah, and, and ultimately it's up to Barcelona and Andre Gomez. I mean, the player himself has has a fair amount of say. But it, you know, if, if Spurs are offering five million more than we're offering, then it, then he's gonna go to Spurs. And even if West Ham offer him, you know, ten fifteen k more in wages per week and and more of an agent signing bonus, then those those sort of factors play a big part in. It. And I think fans, especially Everton fans, sort of hope that you know the history of the club and the fans and everything that's gonna be enough to sway the player. But yeah, ultimately it's just it's money that talks especially when you're dealing with with a giant like Barcelona who are looking, I'm sure, to make some absolutely massive transfers. And so they're trying to recoup, uh, trying to, you know, load their 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 coffers as much as they can before they go in for some potentially, you know, nine figure signings. All right. So next up, and this one I think is pretty positive. So we have a link from the independent, John Joe Kenny linked with a loan move to Burnley. What do you all think? I always think it's great when we got our younger guys going out and getting that Premier League experience. I mean, yeah, it's you don't always play the most beautiful football, but I mean, he's going to get more playing time for them than he is. Also, to see that uh, development continue is always always a positive in my book. Yeah, I'm right with Adam on that. It would be a really, really good move for John Joe Kenny to go. And something that we don't commonly see from Everton is loaning out our younger players to lower lower uh, Premier League sides specifically. Usually it's to Championship, League One, League Two. It's rare that we would loan them to a Premier League quote-unquote rival. I use that term very, very loosely when talking about Burnley, but a, a, another Premier League team. And sometimes that's just that's what a lot of successful clubs do. You look at what Chelsea have done over numerous years, they loan out to other Premier League sides, and, and it's been very successful for them to get those players playing at a high level, though not necessarily at the highest level. And if Everton want to start to be included in that conversation of upper-level Premier League sides, then maybe we do need to start utilizing the the mid-to-lower table sides um, to develop some of our players. And, and there's a mutual benefit there. Obviously, John Joe Kenny going there would be an, an asset for Burnley. He's a very promising young player. I think he's kind of been hard done by not getting into the side more this year. Seamus Coleman's late season, mid season to late season renaissance sort of squash those hopes for him. But I still believe that John Joe Kenny has the potential to be a, a starting Premier League right back for us um, in the next in the next two to three years, I'd say. I don't think that's crazy. I don't think it's crazy either. I think it would be a good move for him specifically because he would have, I think, better chance of fighting for a starting spot or gaining and, and, and keeping a spart- starting spot at Burnley than he would at Everton behind Seamus Coleman. And furthermore, if he could really cement himself in a starting spot for one whole season or the majority of a season at Burnley, and really, luckily enough, although Adam, as you said, they don't play the best football, what they do well is focus on, I didn't say they do defense well, I said (laughs) they focus on defense well. (laughs) And so that'll help him kind of sharpen up in those one-on-one situations where we know he's got a pretty solid cross on him and he, and he's and he's quite good going forward already. Yeah, you're you're totally right Alex and getting 
getting just getting that Premier League experience at that level, the games you're only going to get better. And my concern being, if we're, I assume that if we're going to let John Joe Kenny leave on a loan, then we have someone lined up as a backup to Seamus Coleman or perhaps a starter, a high tier um, player whose name begins with Juan and ends with Basaka, maybe just hypothetically. Uh, that's probably a little far fetched, but hopefully Marcel Brands has someone lined up because. It's important for Kenny to get games regularly, but he's still a very capable backup. And I felt very comfortable having him um, understudy Seamus Coleman all of last year because when his form was trickling down, Kenny came in and did really well some games, had a couple stinkers, but that's to be expected at his age. So really the most important thing is for the player to continue to develop and, and getting Premier League game time consistently can only contribute to that. What would stink would, would be if he were to leave on loan and then he can't even get into the Burnley side and he just kind of rots on the bench for a full year. Um, and that's kind of the worst case scenario. Yeah, but I think if because that was happening to someone, I think it was I can't remember who like a year or two ago. And when they saw that he wasn't getting any weight, any uh, game time, they just went ahead and recalled him and let him play for I think it was like the under 23s because it's like the whole point of you being on loan is to get that experience. If you're not going to give it to him, then we'll just take him right back. Um, so I think that would be an option for us too. If we're not happy with his loan, we can always, always recall him. Yeah, that's a good point. And we can, yeah, just cut our losses if possible, but I'm sure he'll be linked to multiple sides. Um, being at the level that he's at the, the pedigree that he comes with, I'm sure plenty of, plenty of sides will be, um, we'll be looking for, for his type of profile. And if it's not Burnley, then I do still hope that he's able to secure a move to another Premier League side. Um, and then, Yeah. So our next rumor, this one's a little wild and kind of out of left field. And this is Henry Onyekuru has not only been linked to Bayern Munich, but the rumor from its, I believe it originated some Nigerian um, source, was that he had essentially finalized a deal with Bayern and that the, the ink was practically dry on the contract. What do you guys make of this one? This one's kind of crazy. Total, totally practical. That's your take? I think I think I think we should let him go. And furthermore, we only paid seven mil for him, so I think uh, we should become buddies with Byron and sell him for eight. Give him a good deal, you know. <laughs> I don't like this trolling that you're doing right now. Whatever, <laughs> whatever you have going. Um, I mean, I think it would be good business for the club. I think he'd probably go down as one of the best to never play for us. And I know that just has to do with uh the work permits and all that kind of stuff with English immigration and those rules. I think it's a shame that we'll never get to see him play. Uh, But at some point you got to fish or cut bait. So if we can get a nice return on our investment, uh, it'd be interesting to see if he ends up at Bayern or if he stays in Turkey. Yeah, because there were also other rumors that were saying that he was going to extend his loan move to Galatasaray and they were going to pay us a certain fee to keep be able to keep him. The Bayern thing just it's it stinks to me like something that's planted by an agent. It just doesn't seem like why would they be going for Henry Henry Onyekuru when they can be linked with and I know the the big the big move in the pipeline right now is that they really want Leroy Sané from Manchester City and Pep wants him to stay at Manchester City and they're going to sit down and have a nice little round table chat and decide what the best course of action is. But this just strikes me as something that's been planted by the agent to kind of just like leverage 
um, the leverage, the move for Sané, give get those rumors flying in some competition, similar to like the Yerry Mina to Manchester United um, moves last last summer. I just don't see this happening. I, I he's a really good player and he has a lot of potential, and I'd love to see him in a blue shirt someday. But it's yet to happen, and I'm increasingly skeptical that it's ever really going to work out. It's been now, I think, what two years where he's been on loan and we can't get the permit and he can't break into the Nigerian national side to get the games, the requisite games to get the work permit. And it's just, it's kind of just this whole fiasco. And he's now 21, 22. Um, How long are we willing to just sort of let loan him out year after year without ever actually even coming close to bringing him uh, onto the English shores? Yeah. And the unfortunately thing, the unfortunate thing about it is, he probably has really no warm and fuzzy feelings about Everton. I'm not saying he feels negative, just he's not going to feel attached to the club at all at this point, right? Because he hasn't been here. I mean, he's come a little bit to, I think, nurse an injury a yeah. while ago. But other than that, right? And, and with that being said, he's going to continue to be loaned out and perform where he's been at that point, I mean, it would be really simple for him to have a very decent or a very good club come in and say, hey, come play for us. And he'd just be like, you know what? Screw it. I don't need to try to get this work permit. I don't need to wait for Everton. I should just go play for X, Y, and Z, and it's done. So although I don't like to think that way because I'd really like to see him pull on a blue shirt, I think I agree with y'all that it's probably the most likely does not feature for us, but he's not going to go to Bayern. Yeah, it just doesn't make make any sense, really. From from Bayern's standpoint, from our standpoint, the, ultimately, if we let him leave, you have to we have to recoup the cost that we hopefully make a decent profit off of him. And if we make a decent profit, then so be it. We can reinvest those funds in a player that will actually be able to qualify to play for us. And I think that's what everyone really wants. And on top of that, he plays a position where we're probably the deepest in our entire squad. And so, you know, of course, wingers can, some wingers can play on both wings. We saw that with Richarlison, but like we have so much depth at that left wing position right now, relative to the rest of the squad, that it would make more sense to let him go and focus on bringing in someone who's kind of a natural right wing. And a right winger is something that even Marco Silva spoke about specifically well, well, let me rephrase that. He spoke about needing a left-footed player as opposed to a right winger, but we can assume that Richarlison being right-footed on on the left-hand side or that being his preferred spot, then it couldn't be a, a, a terrible idea to have a left-footed player on the right wing. And as all Everton fans know, the right wing is our weakest spot along with center forward on the front line or, or in attack in general. So next up in links... I don't think this is going to surprise anyone, but Adam Lookman is linked away, uh, specifically with Leipzig, Southampton, and Bournemouth. Yeah, you could almost call him Adam Linkman. Put him. Log off. That was that was terrible. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, but yeah, okay. Adam Lookman is probably our our first and foremost player that I that's actually in the squad currently that I expect to leave because it just has not worked out in any way, shape, or form. The illusions of grandeur that I guess we had for him probably starting two years ago, following his successful loan move to Leipzig and his return, we all thought, okay, he showed what he can do. Finally, he's going to be able to get a chance. We waited week after week for him to take the Walcott shirt off his back 
He was not able to do it. And now it just seems inevitable that it's the best move for everyone to just kind of move on because personally, I think he's just, I mean, he's shown in flashes and substitute appearances that he has bags of tricks that he can pull out at any moment. But I just, I don't understand what it is that's prevented him from breaking into the side on a regular basis. I I really think it's his attitude. You know, Silva has mentioned it a few times when people ask about, about him. And I just really feel as bad as Theo Walcott has been sometimes that he still kept his place. You know, that, that means that there has to be serious things going on in training where Marco, his staff, just don't have any faith in him. Yeah, I mean, he said it straight up, right? Like, for a while, and I think we discussed this, everyone was thinking, okay, it's probably his attitude, but, you know, it felt almost like hearsay or just kind of speculation. And then Marcus Silva came out and straight up said it, that he just wasn't trying half the time. And with that, you just, at the end of the day, you can't do anything about it. (laughs) Some people think it's so simple, but it, you, it's really not. If if he's not happy there, then it's just going to continue to manifest upon itself. And that's the one thing I got when I lived in Liverpool is that they Evertonians like expect you to give it all for that for the shirt. And as soon as they find out that you're not you're not willing to make that that sacrifice. They're, you're dead to them. Like until you show them that you really care about putting that shirt on, then you know. And once that's lost, it's hard to ever get that back. Yeah, I, I think that's the universe. I think any fan of any club feels that way. Like you want the players to care about the club and to try and put in a hundred ten percent effort all the time. And then you think about it from Adam Lookman's perspective, where we signed him from Charlton Athletic for ten million. He was coming up from a from a league side. To the Premier League, this was his big break. He was probably really excited to finally break through, unable to do it. So on top of being from London, he then is in Liverpool, which say I've never been to either place, but I think the general consensus is that London has a bit more going on. There are rumors that he was living out of a hotel room, kind of isolated, didn't feel like part of the squad. Sam Allardyce was then coach, who Adam Lookman's never going to be a Sam Allardyce type of player. So he shipped off to Germany against Allardyce's wishes, has a lot of success, and finally is able to pro- like show his potential, although he didn't really actually start that many games for them. He was predominantly a sub. Comes back, and then it's like, okay, this is my time. I'm going to break through. And from his perspective, I'm sure he feels that he's put in plenty of effort and just has not seen the fruits of his labor. Come, 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 you know, he's not able to finally break into the side. It's a very frustrating experience for him. And I think that would just, I think he's probably just soured on the club at this point and probably the manager as well. I know, obviously, he doesn't have any ill will towards anyone, but for everyone involved, it just seems like this is something that is kind of irreparable and we're not going to be able to kind of, we're never going to have a situation where Adam Lookman is a fan favorite starting every week. I just cannot see that situation ever. And the thing that really irks me is the fact that everyone talks about how Adam Lookman is just like, the next big thing, he's just almost borderline like, you know, generational star for England and this, that, and the other. In reality, he scored one goal for Everton, I think, uh, two and a half years ago, or maybe two years ago. And he scored an average of one goal per month in the Bundesliga for Leipzig, right? Everyone's like, oh, he was so good for Leipzig. He was good, but it was one goal per month, right? 
And somehow everyone is just so upset that he could be leaving or maybe possibly will be leaving. To me, no skin off our back, right? Like half the time he couldn't make the bench. He's not trying in training. I really like, I'm not saying I, I dislike him at all. I'm just simply saying black and white for me. I just, I just don't care that yeah, much. Yeah, I think, I think after a while people are just fed up with it and it's just kind of like, you know, get, get on out. Like don't let the door hit you on the way out. I think that's totally fair. And and I think everyone, I think if the attitude is gone, if the attitude is really negative, then that above any level of talent that you have, if you don't have the attitude, then you can be gone. Alex, I do think it's a, I think it's a little harsh to like quote his goal scored or his assists because he's not, yeah, his productivity in those areas haven't been very good, but you could say the exact same thing about Bernard, um, whose statistics would indicate that he has very limited impact. But the, the stats don't tell the whole story, as we know, especially when it comes to soccer, where I think Adam O'Lookman has shown plenty and plenty of potential. He has he just passes the eye test, you know, like he, you look at him play and you're like, OK, there's something there's a real player there. No, that's fair. Um, but but as as we said, like the attitude kind of trumps everything else. So, yeah, that's I think that's a fair, fair way to put it. Yeah, my, I mean. You're, you're absolutely right. My only point was that it's relative. I was only saying it irks me because of how people act as though he's some huge, talented figure and, and, and you know, is not even – Dominic Calvert-Lewin is not even na- na- mentioned in the same breath as Adam O'Lookman. And when in reality, I'm just, I'm just pointing to the facts, right? Like lack of, yeah. of appearances, not really producing, but don't worry. That's the first thing people go to when they talk about – Calvert-Lewin, just just that sort of thing. But nonetheless, when we're talking about goals and assists um, and we're talking about lack of appearances, last on our list, unfortunately, I hate it, is Jenk Tosin. He's linked away a bunch of kind of random names, but but pretty good. Uh, Lazio, Fiorentina, Dortmund, Schalke. What do y'all think? I think that's going to be tough. Uh, I love him. I really do. But I don't know if he's the forward that's going to be successful in Marco's setup. And I know he wants to stay, fight for his place, because he feel like he he feels like he's representing the entire country of Turkey. Uh, but I just don't know if we are the best the best spot for him anymore. Yeah, it doesn't seem the long the it's really in the cards for Chenktos and at Everton. Which yeah, like everyone else, it's sad because his attitude, unlike Adam Lookman, is just exemplary it's it's everything you could possibly ask for from from a player who really has no real reason to be you know that attached to the club i mean besides the fact that we pay his wages he just seems like a player who genuinely buys into the like ethos or whatever of the club that he's at and he understands what the fans want just the direction and trajectory that everton are on i agree with what what adam said like i just he doesn't seem to really fit the system he's a very well-rounded player, but not great at any particular skill, except perhaps finishing. But then he doesn't really create chances that well. I mean, the start of the year, the start of the season, the first few games when he was starting, he looked really good at holding the ball up and doing all of that other stuff, but just couldn't score goals. And it just, yeah, it just hasn't really worked out. And so if we can fetch a decent fee, I'm okay with seeing him go, though it does pain me because like everyone else has said, he just he really makes you like him. He's a very likable player in every regard. Yeah, and you know what's what's really unfortunate is 
when he came in January, uh, well, a year and a half ago, right? He was like, he was sharp as anything. I mean, he was hitting, he was hitting goals from all different angles, left, right foot, you know, headers. And all of a sudden now, when you watch him play, I guess a couple of weeks ago, maybe close to a month ago now, rip, uh, he couldn't hit a target. And you wonder how much of that is just not having the, you know, he's, he's not in form cause he hasn't, he hasn't gotten to play that much. Um, and so you just wonder how much of that, you know, if he could get a good string of games going, you know, would that, would that form return? Yeah, it's hard to say. And you do look at the list of teams like Adam, uh, Alex said, Lazio, Fiorentina, Dortmund, Schalke, all very good teams in other countries who I'm sure he'd be very successful if he were to leave. But even the first season he came in January, he only scored four goals in half a season. I think I think he looked really good in comparison to what we had, which was a still very, very raw dominant Calvert-Lewin essentially filling in for just the the chasm that Ron Lukaku left. So by comparison to effectively nothing, no, and I mean that, uh, no disrespect to Calvert-Lewin, but the from having Lukaku to having not having Lukaku and just sort of piecing together this this mishmash of strikers, striking options, to having an actual player who, oh yeah, this guy's a striker. That made him seem, I think, maybe a little bit better than he actually was. Um, and there were, and so now that we're finally being shown, like even Richarlison as striker at times looked more dynamic and better than Tosin. And now Calvert Lewin, an- another year further into his development, I think it's by next year I would expect him to find it even more difficult Tosin to break into the side over Calvert Lewin, and presumably we will be signing another striker. So the depth chart just doesn't look favorable for him. If he does want to stay and fight for his place, more power to him. I'm sure his wages. Um, if he can't get the wages to go somewhere else, then he probably would want to stay. But um, all around, it just, it again, doesn't seem like he's going to be a real uh, focal point for us going forward. Now we just have to hope we start seeing the striker links. Yeah, where are the striker links? I, you, hardly had I don't know. Maybe they're just confident that another year with DCL and Big Dunk taking him under his wing, uh, that maybe that's that's the option going forward. I don't know. <laughs> and i'm like oh yeah oh man that's good stuff i mean that's probably a good place to leave it um thanks everyone for listening we appreciate it we're still very much in the early stages of the transfer window so a lot more to come a lot more rumors whether they're credible or not is entirely subjective um and so until next time we'll uh we'll leave it at that Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news. And we'll see you guys next time.